0: At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison, That that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each question. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Philip. Just me again. Um, we, uh, as I said, we've been thinking about our, um, our life as a church together. Um, we've been doing that through a sermon series called Family Traits. Um, and we thought a lot about our mission statement as a church uh, our mission statement, it's not the kind of, um, this is the be all and end all of our church, but, but it's really important to have a clear mission statement because it helps you understand what you're all about and it helps other people understand what you're all about, why you do the things that you do. And everything that we do as a church is to this end, you'll see it on the screen, um, because we're a church here at Village that desires to be a gospel-shaped community of people who love Jesus, who love each other and who love our city of Belfast, and beyond that as well, as we join God in the renewal of all things. This is who we want to be. And as a church, everything that we do, from missional communities, to uh, our our kids' ministry downstairs, to uh, our prayer and worship nights, everything that we do is to this end, for us to to show, to, to grow in being a gospel-shaped community of people who love Jesus, love each other, and love our city of Belfast. Now, this morning, we're gonna think a little bit more specifically about that last bit. What does it look like for us to love our city of Belfast in a way that makes Jesus Christ known? In a way that glorifies Jesus Christ? In a way that the others can see Jesus and can hear the truth about Jesus Christ and can come to know Jesus Christ like we do in this room. I, uh, I heard a, another pastor in another church ask this question a wee while ago and it, and it stuck with me. Um, because it was quite a jarring question. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you know what he asked. I'm not gonna necessarily ask it to us because it was quite jarring, but there was something in it that, that made me stop and think. And he asked this question, does our church have more of a cruise ship mentality or a lifeboat mentality? Does our church have more of a cruise ship mentality or a lifeboat mentality? Now, it might not be very clear and obvious uh, what he's getting at, so let me explain Think about a cruise ship for a moment. The primary mentality of a cruise ship is about looking after those who are on board. It's about keeping those on the ship comfortable and happy. It's about catering for their needs above everything else. That's a cruise ship mentality. But on the other hand, I want you to think about a lifeboat mentality for a moment. Because the primary concern on a lifeboat is not for those on board, but for those who are lost at sea. It's what the R-L-N-I is all about. If you look at their website, it says, Saving lives at sea. That's their mission statement, clear as day. Saving those who are lost at sea and who are in desperate need of rescue. And so that pastor asking that question Does our church have more of a cruise ship mentality or a lifeboat mentality? Do you see what he was getting at? Are we as a church only concerned for those who are on board? For those who are inside the church? Or are we just as concerned about those who are out there in this world who are in desperate need of rescue? It's quite a a jarring question, isn't it? And maybe he is just turning the needle a wee bit too much, but it did make me stop and think about our church and our mentality and, and how easy it is for churches in general to become very inward focused. It's not denying at all that loving and caring for each other inside the church is what Jesus calls us to do. Uh, It's what we're to do in in the family, we're to love one another and care for one another and bear each other's burdens and help keep, keep each other accountable as we live for Jesus Christ. There should be an inward focus, absolutely. Discipleship and maturing in Jesus Christ as those inside the church, as we study his word together, as we meet to pray and share our lives together, that is crucial, vitally important, but... Churches must never forget that out there, all around us is a sea of people who are lost and perishing without a savior. The apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 2 that God has graciously poured out his mercy and his love on us. He has raised us, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, he's raised us to new life. He's given us a living hope. And why has he done that? Well, Peter says in verse 9 of chapter 2, he has done that so that we proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. We haven't been saved from sin and adopted into God's family just so that we get a one-way ticket on a cruise ship to heaven. We've been saved from our sin through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross so that others in this world who we live amongst and alongside so that they they may be brought from the darkness too into God's wonderful light. So that they can have the opportunity to hear and to respond and to trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. We are God's people. Peter says we are his treasured possession and we have been saved by him and given a purpose by him and that purpose is to glorify him and make him known to a world out there that will one day perish without him and the question for us that I want us to consider this morning is how do we do that how do we glorify Jesus and make him known in this world how do we practically do that as a church Because I do believe that as a church, we have that that passion, that desire to make Jesus known in our communities, in our workplaces, in our streets that we live on, in the neighborhoods that we're in. We do have that desire with friends, with family members outside the church, but the question is, how do we do it? What does it actually even look like to go about making Jesus Christ known? This is a very simple sermon this morning because I'm a very simple kind of a man. But my hope is that in being very simple, we see that this is something that we all can do. That we're all called to do. I want us to see that it's practical. That this is actually involving doing something. And I hope that we're challenged by God in one sense To be a church that that seeks to cultivate and maintain that kind of a lifeboat mentality when it comes to mission. Where we see the lost around us and our hearts long for them to know Jesus Christ. And so we go to them and we hold out to them the life transforming news of the gospel. I want God to challenge us in that. But also I I want him to encourage us this morning. To encourage us to see that, that saving lost souls does not depend on us. It depends on him. He's the God of salvation and he will work in us and he will work through us if we ask him to. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask for his help as we look at this this text this morning in Colossians 4 and then we'll get going in it. Let me pray. Father, we thank you that, well, we can call you our Father That's not because of anything that we have done. That's not because we deserve it. More than anyone else out there in this world, we can call you Father because you, you have set your love and your favor upon us. You've graciously reached down into our lives and you've pulled us out of the darkness, of the darkness of our sin, the darkness of death. You've pulled us out of that and you've lifted us up and set our feet upon a rock, that rock, that rock, being Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer. Lord, show us this morning just how much you love us. That you'd be willing to come for us, to leave your throne in heaven, Jesus, to come to this earth, to live the perfect life that we could never live, to die the death that we deserve, so that we can know you. But help us see, Lord, that 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 love that you have for us, it's a love that should compel us to go to others, to share with them the hope that we have in Jesus. Help us to know how to do that, so that we may glorify you, and so that others come to know you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Three things for us this morning, and the first is this. Here's what Paul says. Here is how we as a church can make Jesus known here in Belfast and beyond. First, we pray. We pray. I told you it was simple, didn't I? The mission to make Jesus known to a world that is dying starts on our knees in prayer. Look at verses two to four. Continue steadfastly in prayer, Paul says, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open a door to us, uh, open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Prayer is, is just showing our absolute dependence on God for all things. Prayer is acknowledging that, that God is the one who is in charge of all things. It's saying, God, I know. That I have no power in and of myself to to do anything, to change any situations or circumstances. But Lord, I know that you do. You're the all-powerful God of the universe. And I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you to lead me. I'm going to trust your plans and your purposes for my life. That's what prayer is. And prayer is foundational to our mission as a church. You see what Paul says? He says, be steadfast in prayer. The NIV actually says it, be devoted to God in prayer. Devoted, committed, consistently praying. But why? Why are we called to pray like this? Well, do you see what Paul's train of thought is in these couple of verses? Look down at verses 2 to 4. Paul knows that the only way that doors open for lost people to hear about Jesus Christ is if God is at work. And so in prayer, we ask him to work. And Paul knows that the only way people can have the mystery of Jesus Christ revealed to them and come alive to them in their hearts is if God is at work. That's what he says in 2 Corinthians 4. Paul says, it's God who has the power to shine his light into people's hearts, to give the knowledge of his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. No one else can do that, only God. So we pray and we ask him to work. And Paul knows that the only way our hearts as his people are changed to truly love and show compassion for the lost around us is if God is at work in us. By his spirit. We need God to work. And so we ask him to work in prayer. Paul actually says here to this church in Colossae, will you pray for me? And will you pray for my fellow workers that we would be able to make Jesus Christ known? Paul knows that that the power doesn't lie with him. It lies with God. And so he asks for this church to pray that, that the words even they speak would be from God And the words that they speak would be used by God. That they'd be clear and faithful and bold in presenting Jesus Christ. Paul knows salvation belongs to God and God alone. The power to bring people from spiritual death to spiritual life, it's God's power. And so if we want people to come to know Jesus, if it's the desire of our hearts for him to be made known in this world, in this community, in Belfast, then God invites us to pray and to have him do the work that only he can do. Pray steadfastly, consistently. Pray intentionally and specifically about what is going on in our lives and in in the lives of those around us. That intentionality in prayer, I think that's what Paul is getting at at the end of verse two. He says, continue steadfastly in prayer, Being watchful in it with thanksgiving. That word watchful in the Greek, in the original, it just means being alert, being awake, being alive to what God is doing. And so Paul's saying, we should be awake as we pray. We should be alive and alert to what God is doing around us, being watchful in prayer so that we can bring the needs of this community before God for him to work so that we can bring the things that he's laid on our hearts for the people around us to him in prayer. And as we pray watchfully, God will open our eyes to see him at work, to see what he is doing in our lives, to see how he is working through us, to see what he's doing in this community, opening doors for us, speaking through us, revealing himself to those who don't yet know him. And Paul says when that happens, well, our prayers will then overflow with thanksgiving to God because we know that it's him at work and not us. It's all to his glory and not our own. What does this mean for us? How can we bring this home to us here now in Belfast in 2022, making Jesus known here in our city of Belfast? Well, it's pretty simple, isn't it? The call is to be consistent in prayer to be steadfast in prayer, devoted in prayer to God. What does that look like for you? What might that look like this week? Could you be more intentional in praying for opportunities in specific ways? I know I could. Probably the word that came to my mind when I thought about my prayer life, especially for the lost, is sporadic, a bit here and there. But my desire is for God to bring people into his family, to bring people from death to life. And if that's going to happen, God says, well, come before me and pray. Ask me to do what only I can do. How could we be a bit more intentional as a church? Thinking about our our missional communities as they get going over this next wee while. What might it look like for you as a missional community as you gather to set aside some time to talk specifically about those people in your life who you're living amongst, who don't yet know Jesus, who you would love to be able to share the hope of Jesus Christ with. What might it look like for us as a church to come together on a Monday evening when we pray in our prayer gatherings to bring the needs of this community before God in prayer? Being devoted to God in prayer. Think about even specific things that we have in our lives. What might it look like as you come to Tots on a Friday, if you're a mum or a dad and you're bringing your toddler along, to pray as you come towards the door, before the door opens, that God would open a door for you this morning. A door to to even just befriend someone, to get to know someone, to, to build a relationship with someone, so that things could deepen, conversation could, Further, and actually, you could help them understand what it means to follow Jesus Christ, why you are part of this church. What might it look like as you maybe approach the door in your office at work? You go to walk into the classroom, you go to walk into the break room. It doesn't have to be door related, by the way, it can be anywhere. But what might it look like for you to be more intentional, thinking of those specific places where you could just pray something short? God, open a door. God, work in my heart. Show me these people as you see them. I remember when I played rugby, every rugby training session and every rugby match, I I used to, when I was sitting in the car, pray to God. Just a really short prayer. Lord, please, would you lead me? Please, would you speak through me as I go into this changing room amongst all these guys that don't, don't yet know you? What could that look like for you in life this week what could it look like for us as a church to be steadfast in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving how can we as a church make Jesus known here in Belfast and beyond well firstly Paul says pray let's pray and secondly Paul says live wisely and purposefully live wisely and purposefully look at verse 5 wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Now, you can see what Paul is assuming here, that when he talks to this church, he's assuming that, that this church in Colossae will actually be living lives that are outward facing, out there in the world, that they will be going about their daily business with others who don't yet know Jesus Christ. And that's probably the first question for us as a church to ask ourselves Are we being disciples of Jesus Christ who are living our lives amongst outsiders? Living our lives amongst those outside the community of faith. Paul's not just talking here about being amongst people the way I'm amongst them at the bus stop before I come down here on a Sunday morning. I am amongst those people, but I'm not living my life alongside those people I'm I'm barely interacting with those people. A nod of the head, a polite smile, a, a, a kind of pleasant hello. That's not living our lives amongst people. What Paul is talking about here is living in full view of others and having their lives being interwoven with ours. Having them in our homes, seeing how we live there. Inviting them to be part of the things that are normal to us in life. Going to the park as a family, going for a coffee, Going out for dinner, developing deep and authentic relationships with people. That's what Paul is talking about. And sometimes I think as Christians in the church, especially here in in Northern Ireland in Belfast, where there are lots of people who believe in Jesus Christ or who at least go to church, there is the potential that we can become very inward focused and our lives can be spent with only people who are in the church, in the community of faith, not those outside and the danger is if we, we have very few of those meaningful, deep relationships with those outside the church family, then the opportunities that we have to, to influence and to share our lives in the gospel with them are so, so limited. A question maybe worth asking yourself this week is how much of my week is spent with people who don't yet believe in Jesus Christ? Not just being acquaintances or passers-by, but actually being people who I consider friends, people who I am living my life amongst. Paul would say, if we want to reach people with the gospel, if we want to show them how the gospel makes sense of life, if we want to have gospel conversations with those people, then we need to develop those authentic, meaningful, deep relationships with them. It's why we've made some of the changes that we have as a church whenever it comes to things like missional communities. It's why we're, we're maybe, maybe thinking about some of the, the ways that we're actually being able to get out into the community. Things like tots. We're not just doing thoughts as a, you know, this is what every church does. Let's put our parents and thoughts on. No, we're doing that because we, we want it to be an opportunity for us to meet people who don't yet know Jesus Christ, to build relationships with them, it can't just happen on a Friday morning, down there, for an hour. It has to go further than that. Missional communities, even. We, we've, we've trimmed the time, maybe, that we spend at having family dinners to those two weeks, because we want to be able to give you, as the church family, the opportunity to use those other times, those other weeks, the space and the margin, to be able to live your lives together, yes, which is important but also to live our lives with others who don't yet know Jesus. To invite them in to meet others who are part of this community of faith. So that they see the gospel lived out together. And so they become curious and wonder, what's it all about? Why do you live the way you do? Why do you serve each other and love each other the way you do? It's so different from what I see in the world. Isn't that what Gareth was talking about last week when he, when he talked about his friend Pip? Who lived with him and saw people coming into the home, his home, and he was sharing his life with them, opening God's word, serving each other, and she was intrigued. She wanted to know why, asking questions about Jesus Christ. This is what it looks like to be ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality. I'm not saying any of this is easy, I'm not saying that that this is something that really does come naturally to all of us. I know that that there are many of us in this room that, that thinking about being really vulnerable and building relationships maybe makes us squirm a bit because we are maybe a bit more introverted. But how can we do this together in our families? How can we encourage each other together, even in our church as a family, to do this? Because living lives like this, it does require a level of sacrifice, sacrificing our comfort and our time and our energy to develop these kinds of relationships, to go out with guys from work for a drink after we finished at the end of the day, or to ask one of those parents who we meet at Tots to come along to the park with us later on in the week, or to have those neighbors round for dinner. And living like this, it requires a level of vulnerability too, where we are opening ourselves up opening ourselves up to, to show people what our lives actually look like, authentic lives lived for Jesus Christ. A brilliant story of this came to mind during the week whenever I was writing the sermon. Um, when I was thinking of a couple in our church, they don't know I'm going to say this and they'll know who they are whenever I'm saying it, but maybe you won't, but they had their neighbours and their kids round um, for dinner one night. Um, their neighbours, kids, not a church-going family, not, not Christians. Um, and they, they had dinner all prepared. Um, dinner was on the table. They were ready to go. Everyone was sitting around nice and politely waiting. Uh, and then the husband in the couple, he said to the family, we, we usually say grace or we usually pray to God and, and thank him for the food before we eat. Would you be happy if we did that now? And the family said, yes, very happy. Uh, And the guy, he he prayed. uh, And it was funny when I went to them. Uh, I'm not wanting to throw his wife under the bus at all here. Not at all, because they're both incredibly missional and wonderful people. Um, But she said at that time she was feeling a bit, the heat started to rise a wee bit. The temperature in the room, she was feeling a wee bit hot under the collar because she didn't know how they were going to react. But I loved what her husband said. He said, if I hadn't prayed... Well, that would have just been inauthentic because we do it every night. Before we eat, that's just what we do in this family. I love that. I think that in the smallest kind of a way, but also in massive ways as well in terms of the impact that could have on that family, that's what it looks like to walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Earth Day wisdom would say... They're going to be weirded out by us praying to a God that they don't believe in. We've invited them in. Is it a bit too far for us to, to do something like this? But the wisdom from above, the wisdom that comes from God, it says, be your true selves in Jesus Christ. Be unashamed of how the gospel has changed you and is changing you. And you just never know what God will do with that. How do we reach people? Paul says, live wisely and purposefully amongst unbelievers and make the best use of the time. And finally, how do we make Jesus Christ known? We speak with grace and we speak the truth. We speak with grace and we speak the truth. You might know Francis of Assisi, uh, probably his most famous quote. He says, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Now, while Colossians 4 strongly agrees that our witness as Christians is shown to be authentic and real by our lifestyle and our actions, it fundamentally disagrees that we can preach the gospel without using words. See, five times in five verses, Paul uses words which refer to spoken language. Word, declare, speak, speech, answer. Words, are important. What we say is important because it's the gospel message, the word about Jesus Christ, that's the power to bring about salvation. That's what Paul says in Romans 1 16. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it, it is the power of God to bring salvation to everyone who believes. It's not that our lifestyle and our actions don't matter. unless we speak of the hope we have in Jesus Christ we are in danger of pointing people to something else to just a, a good living kind of a way as hard as it might feel sometimes it's absolutely crucial that together we go into the world and we speak to others about Jesus we tell them the truth of the gospel because it is the power which brings people out of the water and rescues them and gives them new life so how should we speak Look what Paul says here. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. We speak with grace, and we speak the truth. It's not that we're always going to be speaking to people about uh, the grace of God that he's shown to us in, in the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us on the cross. It's not that we're always going to be saying those kind of things. But it's that we have that, the gospel, the good news that has changed it's what shapes and informs our words and our conversations. It seasons our conversations like salt. That's what he's saying. It's using our words to be gracious towards others, compassionate towards others, being peacemakers by the things that we say, being those who are quick to forgive. Being those who are quick to encourage rather than condemn—that is, that's what gospel-shaped words and speech looks like. That is speech that's full of grace, seasoned with salt. And how different would speech like that be in this world, in your workplace, around the, the dinner table with your family, with friends? Do you see what speech like this does? Paul says. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. See, when we live like this, when we speak this in a way that's filled with grace, Paul says people will wonder why. It will draw them to Jesus Christ. To ask questions. Questions that we ought to be able to answer, ready to answer in a way that points them to Jesus Christ and the grace that he has shown to us. Peter says a similar thing in First Peter 3, verse 15. He says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, honor Jesus Christ above everyone and everything else, revere him as Lord, and when people notice you doing that, living in a way where you are honoring Christ, speaking in a way where you're honoring Christ, then be ready. Be prepared. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect. Be ready to speak the truth to people. Be ready and prepared to give an answer to them which points them to Jesus Christ. Don't do it in a way that forces it down their throat. Don't do it in an antagonistic kind of way where we're looking to try and win an argument. That's not gracious speech. Instead, do it with gentleness and respect. I'm thinking again of an example of this with a, in my life, a, a friend who isn't a Christian. He visited us recently um, and he, he was holding our, our newborn baby, Mari, um, and he is a child of his own and, and he was looking down at Mari. There's something about looking at a baby that just makes you a bit more vulnerable, doesn't it? Um, and, and he said, oh, little one, you're going to grow up in a crazy world. It's a crazy world that you're growing up in. And at that moment, I just thought, oh, do you know what? There's an opportunity for me to say something here. And I said, it is. It's a mad world, crazy world in so many ways. But that's why I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ is in charge and he's, he knows what he's doing. My friend, he didn't seem to, to bat an eyelid. He didn't seem to care at all by what I'd said. We've had conversations before which have been more gospel kind of filled But even in that, I just wanted to throw something out there that that caused him to be curious, maybe. to, To kind of act like a stone in his shoe. To nag at him. Maybe he'll ask again, what did you mean by that? We should be ready and prepared to give an answer for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. There is so much more to say in all this. And we as a church, we want to help us in our evangelism. Help us as we make Jesus Christ known. Which is why... We offer things like evangelism training. So if you're someone who is thinking, you know, I would love to, to, to get better or to, to improve or to mature and grow in, in how I actually share Jesus, how I'm prepared to give an answer for the hope I have, we're going to be doing some training later on, end of October, start of November. Look out for that training. It'd be great to have lots of people in our church along. Anybody can do this in normal, natural ways. Seasoning our conversation with grace and pointing people to Jesus. But also we want to help in ways where um, we kind of take the pressure off you a little bit in some respects where things like Hope Explored, we're planning to do another Hope Explored course in January. And the reason why we do that is because it's a more formal thing to invite people to come along to where they will hear the gospel message explained, loud and clear. And, And it will allow you to then have those kind of gospel conversations with them. Your job is not done when you get someone to come along to Hope Explored. That's where the fun begins. That's where the conversations start. So look out for that again in January, off the bite of Christmas. But why not now start by praying? Praying for those people, that person maybe in your life who you'd love to have a conversation with about Jesus. Why not pray about them? Maybe for the next couple of months ahead of Hope Explored that that you would have an opportunity to invite them to come along with you to that? How can we be a church that makes Jesus Christ known here in Belfast and beyond? Three practical, simple things that Paul says. Pray, live wisely and purposefully towards outsider and speak differently and boldly. And as we finish, I want to be really clear that the way we become a follower of Jesus Christ is not by doing any of these things. We don't become better Christians by doing any of these things. We don't become more acceptable or, or more loved by God by praying or by living these kind of lives or by speaking of Jesus. No, none of that. None of that is how we're accepted by him. It's all through Jesus Christ and his love for us. His love that compelled him to leave heaven and come to this earth to live the perfect life that you and I could never live. To, to go to the cross willingly for us, to take the punishment that we deserve for our sin so that we could be forgiven, so that our lives could be transformed, so that we could be brought from darkness to light That is what it's all about. Christ's love for us. And as we come to the table this morning, this is a meal which displays Christ's love for us. His love for us poured out at the cross. His body broken for us. His blood shed for us. It's a love that's displayed and it's a love that's remembered each week as we come. So we're going to do that as believers this morning. But it's also remembering that Christ's love compels us, changes us, drives us out of these doors to go and to live these gospel-shaped lives and to speak to people about Jesus Christ because we love him. We treasure him above everything else. That's what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5. Christ's love compels us. He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. This is how we we leave today. We leave remembering Christ's love, reflecting on his love for us, compelled by his love to go, to make him known to a world out there that, that desperately needs a savior, a savior that we know and a savior that we can introduce them to. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel. The gospel which, Lord, is is good news, incredible news for all who trust in Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you that in this room, as followers of Jesus, we've, we've been saved by you because you're gracious and merciful, because you love us, Now, Lord, may that love that you have for us, may it change us. May it just change our hearts, deepen our love for you and for others, Lord. May that love compel us, Lord, to then go into this world and to make you known. Because, Lord, we want to be a church that proclaims the excellencies of of you because you have brought us from darkness into light. Lord, as we come to the table, May we be encouraged once again. May our hearts be stirred to praise you and thank you for all that you've done for us. And may our hearts be changed, Lord, as we leave here today. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.